Welcome to Books Baby, reading the rainbow and the occasional straight white man. Welcome to Books Baby, the podcast where we are reading the rainbow and the occasional straight white man. And today we have the privilege of reading our occasional straight white man. We are covering the Booker Prize today, Prophet Song by Limerick-born author Paul Lynch. It is his fifth novel and it imagines the Republic of Ireland slipping into totalitarianism after the rise of a right-wing national alliance party, which seizes total control in response to trade unionists lobbying for increased teachers' wages. We are very excited to be doing another book episode after last year's uh, tremendous seven moons of Mali Almeida. And this year, we are plunged right back into war and conflict with this um, novel. But first, I want to say hello to my co-hosts, Aloe and Ian. How is everybody? How has everyone's summer been going? I have been reading a lot of Australian books this summer. I kind of set myself a little goal of getting through some of my backlist Aussie books, which actually started when I came to Melbourne to meet up with you guys and record the last episode in the studio. I wanted to read a book set in Melbourne while I was in Melbourne. And so I read Helen Garner's Monkey Grip. And then I moved on to Christos Chilkis's new book and then Charlotte Wood's new book, which I believe I bought with you both when we were book shopping. So that was exciting. Uh, and then I've read Robbie Arnott's Flames, which is fantastic. I love Robbie Arnott. And then I'm currently reading Eleanor Elliott Thomas's The Opposite of Success, which was sent to me by text publishing. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but it's quite fun and light, which has been a good little summer read for me. So that's what I've been up to. I'm stacked, Ian. That's a lot of reading. And I'm glad you got to take a little bit of Melbourne back with you as well. Yeah, as well as the cold I brought home. Yes. <laughs> a little parting gift. And how about you, Aloe? I haven't done much reading, to be honest. I've, um, I did read Marlowe by J. Carmichael, but I think I've read that at the beginning of the month uh, or late November, which, which was really good and is set on Melbourne in the 50s um, about a gay guy from regional Victoria who moves into the city, really good and short and sweet. Uh, and then I also read a very steamy book by an Australian author called uh, The Lodger That Summer, which I've seen a lot in Instagram. I truly enjoyed the book. I think it was um, very fun to read, very easy to read, a bit problematic in some parts, but it's, it's, uh, it's a good read. And also very impressed that the author published uh, independently, did all the work, editing, everything. Um, it's really good. And then I went to Brisbane for New Year's to see Chicago the Musical. Um, I have a friend there. So yeah, definitely, if you get the chance to see Chicago, do it. It's it's really, really good. I I truly enjoyed it. What Chicago about you, It's my bucket list, bucket list play that I want to watch live. We were talking about musicals a little bit earlier, so it was probably that and um, West Side Story. Uh, I think are they touring down here? In it's Melbourne coming City? to Melbourne in March, yes. so definitely we should yeah. we should go together. Okay, yay! 
Um, my summer was a bit slow. I actually didn't read a lot of books, but I did pick up uh, the hours after you spoke so highly of it, um, Ian. Um, and I've been a bit of a movie movie um spree, so I want to read that and then watch the movie. Um, and I watch all the um the top summer hits. I watched Saltburn. I don't know if both of you watched that. I did, and yeah. I loved it. So <laughs> good. I, I haven't I watched, watched it yet, but uh, I, I, no, I've tried the cocktail. Oh. <laughs> it was a joke. You can cut that okay, out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, where? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, that was fun. But I've been really enjoying the conversations around it, I think, more than the movie in and of itself. Uh, brilliantly acted. Yeah, people should go watch it so that they can participate. Ian, please watch it. And then you, um, I'm not going to make the joke that I'm going to make because it was the, I mean, this podcast sometimes edges on inappropriate. <laughs> My joke. Oh, we love inappropriate. Very inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about the Book of Rise. Um, I think Ian, you've read most of the short list or the long list. I read the whole short list. Ah, amazing. And how did you feel like um, with this one winning against the others? Well, this was my favourite. Although, you know, saying favourite when you're reading something as bleak as this is, you know, it's not like I would say I I enjoyed reading this, but I thought that it was the most moving, I guess, of all of them. My other favourite from the list was The Bee Sting by Paul Murray, one of the other Pauls on the list, which was also really good. But... um, I don't know I felt like it was a bit more it was almost like a comedy and it was really well done but I I didn't feel like it was going to stick with me as much as this book will I think this is a book I'll always remember so I was really happy that it won the prize and Ella did you read any of of the other Booker Prize winners uh Booker Uh, Prize shortlist sorry yes I started reading and I'm still (laughs) it's I'm still reading it Western Lane which I was supposed to uh, yeah. be reading with Ian as a as a body read, and this keeps co- this keeps chasing me, that I was the worst body for a body read ever. But um, yeah, I was enjoying it. I felt like a, a, it was a little soulless, if if that's a word. So that's probably what I haven't mm. been able to um, fully engage. But I'm gonna finish it because it's a short one. It's quite plain. And sparse, I suppose, yes. Western Lane in its prose. It's narrated by a young girl, so I guess she's going for that sort of young girl vibe. But it's also, it's a little bit like Claire Keegan. Hello, I brought it back to Claire Keegan already. Mm-hmm. In that so much uh, is not actually said. You sort of have to read between the lines of what's being said as to what's actually happening in Western Lane. I don't think it's as good as Claire Keegan, but um, it was it was an interesting little book, and I'm glad that it was on the list because it really made that list not quite so dense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was about grief. It is about grief. So it's still, still a bit traumatic. I was going to say like, um, yeah, from where I'm going, it's a bit, yeah, griefy, sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're not going to the Booker Prize shortlist for an uplifting read. No. And um, just like the Oscars, I just feel sometimes comedy, comedy should win sometimes. I feel like there's Oh, absolutely. Um, Which sort of happened last year. Sort of, but it was yeah. still very, Seven Moons was very dark. Yeah, no, true. Uh, like, dark yeah, comedy. Super, super, super dark. Um, uh, we'll get to that 
a little bit later on in terms of comparison with last year's winner. But what was, um, I think we've talked a little about this, but what was your over-impression when you first finished the Prophet song? I know it's not called the Prophet song, it's just, just Prophet song. For me, it was, it was shocking. I was very moved, like you say, and... It was a book that I wanted to finish it in two days. Like I wanted, when I started reading, I got really hooked up. Uh, but I started reading at night, put it down, and I had nightmares about what the book was uh, talking about. So I said like, oh, I have to take my time. And I tried to just read a chapter per day and just reflect on that and sit on that. And I think that was a good way to digest this book because it is very dense and at least for me it was very, very distressing particularly with what's going on around the world but I'm I'm sure we'll discuss that later. Yeah I agree Alo. I, I found myself reading just maybe 50 pages a day or something like that. I, it was very compelling like his writing is so um, absorbing I want to say. Uh, I find that sort of style where you know there's no real paragraphs and no quote, quotation marks around the sentences. It's like almost a stream of consciousness style, kind of almost rambling. But um, it, yeah, it just really draw, draws you in, I think. But because of the content of the book, yeah, I did have to sort of put it down after a little while. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go back and just check the sun is shining and the birds are still singing and <laughs> all is okay here in Australia. Yeah, I think I was the same, except I just read it in two days because I just wanted to get over it. Um, it was so immensely claustrophobic. I think I found myself, if I wasn't going to finish it two days, I kept picking up my phone to go on TikTok because I didn't want to read the thing. So I just had to. So just um, sit. I sat on my couch, literally parked myself down um, and finished it just in time for this podcast. Uh and it's it's very it's very dense, isn't it? And even from the right from the get go, I don't know whether you felt this as well, but um, it felt very uh, like theater theater stage um, direction. Sometimes I could very clearly visualize like the set um, when they were being questioned. Larry, I think, was being questioned. I could I could see like the scene playing out in my mind very clearly, even though there was like no punctuation, etc. I agree with that. I think it was a very visual uh, read too. And I could also see Kate Blanchett playing Eilish uh, at some point. Like she would do a great... When, while I was reading it, I was imagining Kate, the transformation that she would go through, like physically and emotionally, can only be done by Kate Blanchett. So if by any chance the author of this book or a movie producer is uh, listening to this podcast and is planning on a movie adaptation or a miniseries adaptation, Kate Blanchett should be your uh, actress. I'm sure Kate Blanchett is already on the shortlist, Allo. But um, Bev, so you are you saying you didn't enjoy it? Like you just wanted to get it over with? Um, I think and I know, of the... course... In Sorry. Um, I know enjoyment is not the right word to use for a book like this, but did you see value in the trauma that he put you through or did you just hate the whole experience? No, I mean, like we've done so many traumatic books on this podcast, kind of a bread and butter. And I like, I wouldn't shy away from a traumatic book. I think it was mostly, I think it was mostly the structure. And as you both have mentioned, um, everything that's happening around the world at the moment, it, uh, I know it's called a dystopian novel, 
but to me like it's not dystopian right I can see the exact same thing playing out in the news on my screen scrolling through social media so it was too close I think to current reality that I felt like there was no breathing room for reflection like I couldn't I couldn't reflect when like the current events are are happening have happened I've seen it happening so I would say I objectively could enjoy the beauty of the writing and I enjoyed how they created that um, very urgency in that atmosphere in the descent from like oh it seems you know I still got tv you got messaging to internet's been cut off um, people are being rounded out we are now starting to tear gas um, demonstrations and kidnapping people off the street and it all happens like so kind of gradually until like you're right there with Eilish right where she's kind of like trying to keep her family together um and the international world that kind of comes through with her sister looking in you you're kind of like we're, we're kind of like that we're the international community looking in um and but when you're in that situation itself I think uh Lynch did a really great job to show us how the descent to that madness is like not something that you notice until it's all gone like your liberty is being taken until it's not gone so I guess rounding back to your question it was a good book but I did not enjoy it and I like I mean sometimes I don't read for enjoyment but I wonder what it would be if I don't know if I pick this book up maybe a year later where there is a little bit distance from the event I think in the, just the current headspace I like after I finished it so I was like well that was good but now I'm a bad man <laughs> you answered that so well thank you I agree. I think there's so much going on in the world that lots of people that I've spoken to are like, this sounds good, but I'm not in the headspace for that right at the moment. And I completely respect that. I try not to watch too much news, which is, I know, not necessarily a good thing, but, um, you know, I try and stay informed without having to be overwhelmed by it. I know what my limits are with what I can, you know, absorb from that. Um, and for me, this book was because it's so personal it's it's eilish's story uh, and so it sort of brought a bit of empathy i guess to those stories you know it's not just some person you're observing on the news it's a character that you've lived with and and you sort of go through this journey with her i agree with that i think that is the brilliance of the book because we normally when we hear in the news about conflicts like this we tend to have the powerful view whether it's like now with Palestine or Ukraine or whatever and then hear the stories of all these people migrating and sort of trying to empathize with them and I found this book was very good in in showing why some people decide to stay in their home countries when conflict is there and it made me reflect on that like how important it is to have a place to call land or home and how difficult it must be to have to live or to be forced to live that for reasons you cannot control. You could really feel her paralysis, couldn't you? That she just mm. didn't know what to do and sort of that overwhelming, this is my home, where, where do I have to go to? Even when options were presented to her. And even just like how strong a, a family bond bonds you with with a place like she didn't know where one of her children was or where her husband was and that was reason enough to not want to leave the country or to have a reason to stay in the country even when the country was literally burning down yeah 
and I think I enjoyed um I know it's Eilish's story but I enjoyed the rationale I guess or the reasoning of the other characters as well like um showing her son was it Mark the eldest one who was supposed to escape the country obviously and decide to join the rebel army um I think you could feel his not indecision but like like his desperation to want to do something where like the unfairness obviously of having a childhood kind of robbed from you and then being told to hide and then going well like I want like I want to do something um and therefore putting your life on the line and I think one of the lines he says is the only response to this whole thing we've been cornered we're basically in corner the only response is to fight like what else is to do and I think maybe like I mean nobody enjoys war I don't particularly enjoy war novels um I guess the very simplistic thing that I would think is what like why are the men like why are the men fighting is it like a show of masculinity um but I think that sort of small action and that sort of like kind of glimpse into why why you would fight why you would take up arms um in response to this where you know a peaceful demonstration obviously isn't enough um I think that was kind of that was that was powerful for me to see that from his perspective that way and it sort of um contrast contrasts with the daughter's perspective which was like stay home don't go let's sleep much much more uh rational in a way which yeah, yeah and and thinking things uh like in my opinion more uh smartly which mm. or on a way that we're used to to see in men whether it's like more strategically and thinking about the future and the daughter was like we need to leave we need to leave listen to or, or your sister um even the sister which is uh outside the country trying to bring mm. them out i thought that was uh very powerful too yeah and i think i guess like a final on that in terms of the international community watching in there was a line that was like you know we are just now entertainment for the rest of the world. This is what we are. I think that's what Molly says, possibly. And that's kind of true. Like, and that's why I was like, it's just too close to what we have now. It is it's not it's not entertainment, so to say, but you know, it is played out on in real time on screens and yeah, just too much, kind of like too much to hold. And he like Lynch shows how we do become sort of desensitized to this sort of conflict when it's simply shown on a screen. So I guess this is the second sort of war novel that we've had in the Booker Prize since we started doing this podcast. So last year, Seven Moons of Mali Almeida was about the Sri Lankan war, civil war, which happened in the 80s uh, into the 90s. Uh, this one is more, I guess, current, more dystopian, not based on his, not based on real historic Irish events anyway. Um, how do we feel the takes on um, the war, like in terms of a comparison between how these two authors, Shahan and um, Paul, had taken on how they approached uh, how war impacted their country and their characters. I think it's very different the way they both do it. And in my mind, it comes from different uh, things. First of all, like uh, Shahan obviously lived that, so has lived experience in that regard. It's a little bit of also the way in in which his novel is developed is more into the magical realism part of play, like with 
the main character being dead and having to figure out why he was dead. Whether um, with Lynch, I feel like because it is a fictional event, like an event that hasn't happened, and it's a more dense tone, they make it very completely different. The other uh, things that are different is like um, a male protagonist and a female protagonist. And I, I think um, they they share this unknown factor, like both characters don't know what is happening, but it's um, explored in different ways. I found uh, Seven Moons of Mali Almeida funny in some parts and very enjoyable to read, even though it was a very dark novel as well. I thought it was a little bit about this character discovering himself, whether I think Prophet Song also is about Eilish discovering not so much herself or her, her new reality and how she sits in that new reality. It's an interesting way of looking at it. I just thought that apart from them both being about wars, they're just such different books altogether. I would say Prophet Song is a much more earnest book, I guess. You know, he's really trying to get across this message. Um, as I think you said before, Bev, that we're desensitized to all of this stuff in the news cycle. And, and I think, you know, we can see what's happening in the Middle East and just be like, no, yeah, that's in the Middle East. And I know, you know, some people just don't, don't even think about it twice and, and others get quite upset about what's happening. Um, and what Lynch wanted to do was to bring it into a Western society, you know, where we, where we think these things can't happen. Um, and so it's very earnest, I suppose, in its depiction of it that way. He's trying to be as realistic as he can. Whereas, I mean, Mali Almeida, the book is not realistic at all, is it? It's, it's magical realism, I suppose. Mali's journeying through the afterlife. Uh, it's historical events as well. Um, and although it's very traumatic, it is approached with this sense of humour. And I loved his, you know, the way that he depicts the afterlife as being this vast bureaucracy. Um, just the whole thing was was very funny, despite the darkness of the events that it portrays. So I, I don't know, apart from them both featuring war, I can't really see many similarities between the two. Yeah, I think, I don't know if comparing them is, is false, but I think it's probably interesting in terms of the kind of the kind of novels, I guess, the Booker Awards for its prize. And I guess we come to uh, the segment where we talk a little bit about the controversy with Prophet Song winning the Booker this year. So I think it's twofold. One, a, um, a lot of people call it the weakest link in the shortlist this year, calling it like super sentimental and not innovative and fresh enough, which maybe reflects on the last novel that they awarded, which was so innovative um, and um, quite, a, quite a different take on how you would uh, look at a conflict and reflect on a conflict. And I think the second probably bigger one is, is, um, is Paul and Jen. He's been quite upfront with this, um, being inspired by uh, the Syrian war and how that has informed um, how that wrote. And I think some of the criticism coming from that is it's not, an own voices novel and um, the question I guess is around why does conflict like this or why do liberties being taken away only kind of matter when you have when you spotlight a white family or a, a white society is it not enough and that 
we see it from you know actual can we not see it from actual Syrian authors and Syrian literature how did we feel like seeing that come out um, after the book won I'll jump in first just because mm. it sort of segues with what I was saying before I think the own voices are really important and I don't think that having another author right from that perspective takes away from their own voices. I think if you want to seek out those own voices, then they're there and they're available. They wouldn't be fiction though, would they? They wouldn't be eligible for the Booker Prize. What the Booker Prize is, is an award for fiction. So I think Lynch has been very honourable in his intentions of wanting to make people think about these sorts of conflicts. Um, especially the Syrian conflict, because that's what moved him the most to, to write this. If that's not for you, then I guess you don't have to read it. And I know there are lots of people who are currently reading a lot of um, Own Voices works about particularly Palestine at the moment, um, because that's such a big thing with what's happening there at the moment. And I think that that's really valuable and important. Uh, I agree with Ian, and I think that uh, it is important to hear the voices of the conflict and it would be good if a prize as popular and famous as the Booker Prize amplifies those voices. But uh, it, I also think what uh, Paul Lynch does is honorable, like Ian says, because how the first way, or I guess the first step to empathize with something is finding ourselves reflected in that. And I think um, by moving these conflicts that rarely happen on the Western world to the story of Eilish sort of will amplify those conflicts in so many people that see these stories unrelatable or very far from their own realities. So I think in that sense, it is a good book and it does meets its objective. In terms of what you're saying about it being overly sentimental, um, I didn't, I've not heard any criticism of that. I don't know. I didn't think it was overly sentimental. I know there were events that happened in the novel, which, you know, I won't say because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't mm. read it, that were quite traumatic. But I think they needed to be there because, you know, if you're going through a situation like this where your country is disintegrating and descending to civil war, like there's got to be some loss, doesn't there, for the characters or it doesn't feel real. I don't know if the criticism was about the way that those events were written, but, but I didn't feel really that sentimental to me. As yeah. for whether it's experimental enough, I know often the Booker Prize awards something that sort of is stretching the genre quite a bit. And I don't think this was the most experimental book on the shortlist. For me, the most experimental book was Sarah Bernstein's Study for Obedience. And that was, I mean, a fantastic book, but I didn't really quite understand it. <laughs> uh, I would like to read it again and see if I understand it a bit better. Um, I think that if they award a book like that, it, it probably is going to put a lot of people off because it was such a polarizing book mm. in a different way to the way this is polarizing. But it's interesting because every year they have a different panel and the different panels lean different ways. So you can never quite pick who's going to win. And really, is there a best book of the year? It's such a subjective thing, awarding anything to, to the arts. So look, I just think an author won some extra money and a lot more readers. And, and that's a great thing for all the authors that were shortlisted or longlisted. I've seen um, commentary that the Book of Prize is like a chicken raffle. You never really quite know when something's going to win. Apparently it's an Australian saying where you're like, you never know which chicken's like, going to win. <laughs> it's like winning a meat tray. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, I think I agree with all the 
points made. I think probably the one thing with the Booker Prize, it's such a, and I spent so long not reading the Booker Prize because I never really enjoyed the never really enjoyed the winners and I think it wasn't until we read Seven Moons where I started paying attention to it as well and from what I understand um, getting your book on the long list shortlist or even to be considered uh, takes you know a tremendous amount of effort and work behind the scenes you've got to be published in the right time you've got to have PR behind you um, and you've got to have your publishing house you know submit your um, book it's not like you know, not anyone can really nearly submit it. And um, even with Seven Moons, I remember uh, when I went to the Melbourne Writer Festival, um, him talking about it, and the original book was published not within the qualifying year, but they revised it and republished it so that it can move for the booker. But I think understanding, like, the amount of barriers there can be going in, um, I sometimes wonder, like, a book like this wins um, because of the force of, the privilege of having the publishing industry behind you uh, and what that means like I don't know, for like a Syrian like a Syrian author who obviously countries and ruins wouldn't have any of these publishers push it um where we miss it where we miss out on those voices itself because of the situation that they're in it feels like like not to take away from Paul Lynch's win and his obvious like handling of really fine writing um, what it means, like, if we did have a fiction book from the people who are there who, who are allowed, you know, the freedom and creativity to write, not just survive. Any last thoughts on the book before? Would you recommend it? Any disclaimers for our listeners before picking this one up? I, I agree with what you have just said and... Um... You know, I hope that we are able to find more books like that and that they can be brought to our attention. And a platform like Instagram where people are writing about all these sorts of books is really valuable in that way. It can often feel like you're only seeing the same books over and over again and it's the same as in, you know, the PR companies are pushing readers to read certain things. Um, but you can also find things that you, you know, that are a bit outside the box um, for instance, one of my friends, Hello Nell Reads Books, uh, is is currently exploring uh, books written by women from earlier in the 20th century, a lot of which are sort of now being republished, rediscovered. Um, and she was saying to me how, you know, the themes are still so current, even though the books were written like 80 years ago. And I think that's great that, that women's voices are being rediscovered from those times, because of course, men's literature tends to enter the canon and, and the women's ones are not seen as serious. So I hope that we culturally can come to a point where we're reading authors from all over the world and experiencing their lives through their writing too. But having said that, I, I think that Paul Lynch is a writer at the top of his game. He's written a lot of novels now. I don't know exactly how many. I'm really excited to read more of his backlist and yeah, definitely would recommend this to people to read if they're in the right headspace for it. Just save it for when you've got a bit of space. Yeah, I completely agree with what Ian was saying. I think it is a book that should be read by everyone, but you have to be in the right uh, headspace to do so. Be prepared to be traumatized. There are lots of pages and passages that are hard to read and uh, digest, but it is a, a masterpiece of literature. Yeah, and even though I didn't enjoy the reading experience, I'm the same. The right headspace, 
if you want to sit down, absorb um, really good writing, I think this is definitely a book you should pick up. So that's another Booker Prize episode wrapped up from 2023. Looking forward to our reading year for this year and what happens with Booker Prize 2024. But now to our favorite segment, which is what are you looking forward to reading next? I can start with yeah. that one. Yeah, I on. am currently reading a book from Indonesia that it's called Not a Virgin, which is a coming of age. And if you remember from last episode, I said that I was over those kind of uh, books, but I am actually enjoying it very much. And I think it is because it's not a um, privileged teenager discovering its sexuality it is um guy from jakarta discovering life and adapting to the circumstances to to be able to have a life so i'm i'm really enjoying this uh it is a present from my friend brody who lives in bali so shout out to him and i'm also looking forward to reading the in between by christos Ziolkas, uh which i know ian loved and i loved all the other books that I've read from Crystal, so I'm looking forward to reading that one. I think next up, I'm starting on uh, Buddy Read of the Labyrinth by Amanda Lowry, who won the Miles Franklin Award with that last year, I think, no, the year before now, 2022, which Bev is joining me on and another friend, Laura. Um, so that'll be fun. And... Thanks for the invite. Oh, sorry, would you like to join us, Alo? <laughs> considering you know, your, you know, your track record good. with you're, buddy reads you know you're, not very good with that. you're off the list i'm sorry uh, i thought um, you already read that ian um i thought i was like so behind the labyrinth yeah 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 no we agreed we'd wait for you to finish oh. profit song record oh, today start the labyrinth tomorrow perfect i guess that's what i'm reading next <laughs> <laughs> uh and i'm also i'm quite looking forward to reading um Michael Cunningham's new book, which I've momentarily forgotten the name of, Day. I've heard it so good. And of course, I love The Hours. That was my favorite book that I read last year. So that's next up for me. Oh, excellent. Well, so I guess my reading is very influenced by you, Ian, next. So I'm going to finish The Hours uh, and then um, The Labyrinth. Uh, and uh, this other, I have a biography that I picked up that I really like but I had to put aside called Stage True by Hua Shu. So it's a he's like a former journalist that talks about growing up um Taiwanese American in the 90s in San Francisco and um his friend dies and it's kind of a recording like a real life recording of what that is like grief memoirs the usual you know our jam we love it. Uh awesome. So our next episode will be the final one for this season before we go off on a really short break, but it's going to be a really great and big one. So as we all know, Boy Solo Universe is taking over the world on Netflix. And what we're going to do is dive back into this podcast, one of this podcast's favorite authors that we haven't read yet, um, going to archives to reread Boy Solo Universe by Trent Dalton and also watching the TV series as we make our way through um i think it'll be oscar season so we're very keen to understand from our listeners as well what your favorite book adaptation to tv or movie is and 
that is the end of this episode thank you so much for listening as usual if you can like follow subscribe on our uh, instagram account um and share this latest episode it is really greatly appreciated and we hope you have a really good 2024 reading year the books baby theme music was written by paul smith and performed by paul smith and ian sykes We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded. We pay our respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.